the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
one day soon we will all face the judgment bar of God. Are you ready? Life is a series of carefully designed tests by God Almighty, administered by the Holy Spirit. These carefully designed tests are to cause us, one, to know who we are, to uncover the depths of our heart, and two, to bring us into repentance and into the joy of our salvation. Life is not a random event. Our life is carefully controlled, sinner and saint alike, by the Almighty God. He has one agenda, and that is to move in such a way in your life that he would bring you into eternal life, that he would bring you as a son and as a daughter into the glorious realm of the kingdom of light. Many rebel and will not ever submit to these tests. In bitterness and anger they cast it all off, and they say, I will have my life the way I want my life. And the Lord will allow them to do that. But the day will come when they will face that judgment. And all those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will be excluded. All of those who have not overcome their sin will be lost. It is necessary for us to submit to the will of God, to allow Him by grace to make us righteous, innocent, like our Lord Jesus. But you are intimately involved in that process. It is not salvation by works. Salvation is a free gift. Righteousness is a free gift. But it's real righteousness. It's not imputed righteousness. We must identify and recognize what the Holy Spirit is trying to accomplish in our hearts. This morning I have been looking at my life. I have been overwhelmed with sorrow and grief over the shallowness of my life. I've been overcome and grieved so often by my inability to hear the voice of Jesus speaking to me because I was on my own agenda. And God had to go to great lengths by His Spirit, by the blood of Jesus. And I want to tell you today, the blood of Jesus has not lost its power. And by that blood, the Lord Jesus has reached out to me by the Spirit. 
to continually draw me to himself. I weep before God for my ignorance and my shallowness and my arrogance, the hardness of heart. I cry out to Jesus that I could be found worthy by the blood of Jesus, that I could be found worthy to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Very few from our day will enter the kingdom of heaven. The false teaching, the smorgasbord of the devil laid out before us with everything to capture our attention and draw us away from Jesus, the casualness with which we approach the whole question of faith in Jesus, the inability on our part to hear the word of Jesus spoken to us because of our hardness and our rebellion, the coldness of our heart, the lukewarmness of our spirit. In John, the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, Jesus is speaking in verse 1, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. And then verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me. And I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. I want to share with you again from the book Pilgrim's Progress. 
you know that this book was written in the 1600s. It's a powerful book. I'm going to read the updated English language version by C.J. Lubbock. I'm reading it by his permission because it is copyrighted. But let me share. I saw then in my dream that Christian went on until he came to the bottom of the hill and there he saw lying by the side of the path three men fast asleep with chains upon their feet. The name of the one was Foolish, the second Sloth, and the third Presumption. Christian went to them to see if he might awaken them and said to them, You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on top of a mast. Though the dead sea is under you, a gulf that has no bottom. Wake up! Get back on the path, and if you're willing, I will help you take off your iron shackles. He also told them, If he that goes about like a roaring lion comes by and finds you like this, he will destroy you with his teeth. With that they looked at Christian, and they began to reply to him. Foolish said, I see no danger. Sloth said, I just need a little more sleep. And Presumption said, Everybody needs to make his own choice. You need to mind your own business and not meddle in ours. So they all lay down again to sleep, and Christian went on his way. You recognize these three men represent people who are saying they're on the path to the heavenly city. They are members of the church. But one is foolish. One is sloth. He doesn't take care of the work of the gospel. He doesn't take care of his own character. And then there's presumption who says, I'm saved even though I'm sinning. All three are in danger of being consumed by the devil. And if they lay there very long, they will lose their spirit life. They are not facing the reality that one day, one day soon, they will come to the celestial city and they may be cast into outer darkness. Now, Christian was troubled to think that men in such danger should have so little regard for the kindness he had extended when he awakened them and counseled them and offered to free them of their iron shackles. As he was thinking about this, he saw two men come tumbling over the wall on the left side and onto the path. They immediately came toward Christian. The name of the one was Formalist. The name of the other was Hypocrisy. Formalist, of course, 
is a man who only cares for his prayer book and the rituals of his worship service. And then he's in a hurry to get back to his football or basketball or baseball. He's in a hurry to get back to his normal life, not recognizing that he's not walking with the Holy Spirit and he doesn't hear the voice of God speak to him. Hypocrisy is a man who says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But he does everything that the world does. There is no integrity in his life. He is void and empty of the living spirit of God. And so he is a hypocrite. He will tell others to follow Jesus, but then he doesn't choose to leave his life and be crucified with Christ. Soon they were walking with Christian on the path. Christian immediately began to engage them in conversation. Christian asked, Gentlemen, where did you come from? Where are you going? Formality and hypocrite replied, We were born in the land of vainglory and are going to Mount Zion, where we expect we will be received with praise and honor. Why didn't you enter by the gate that stands at the beginning of the way? Don't you know that it's written that he who does not come in by the door but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber? Formalist in hypocrisy answered that they go that to go to the gate in order to enter into the way was considered by them and all of their countrymen to be too inconvenient, roundabout, especially said they could, they could shorten the journey by simply climbing over the wall as they had done. But won't this be seen as trespassing, Christian asked? Don't you think the Lord of the city for whom we are bound must count it as a violation of his revealed will? Let's stop for just a moment. What is the gate? Jesus said he was the gate. So John Bunyan is teaching that we must enter by Jesus. And the only way you can enter by Jesus is through that narrow gate, that suffering gate, that gate that is so narrow you can't bring your luggage through the gate that's so narrow that all sin must be left outside. And you must go straight to the cross and be crucified with Christ. That's the narrow gate. The narrow gate is where you give up your own agenda and your own way. I fear many of you have come tumbling over the wall onto the narrow path. And when it doesn't suit you, you will leave the narrow path and go the way of the world and you will be a formalist or a hypocrite because you will have the knowledge of Jesus but only a partial knowledge and not unto salvation. Your cynicism, your anger, your bitterness, 
your lust for the things of the world, these will block you. This is why life is a series of a very honest test to reveal what is in your heart. And if you have wisdom, you will allow the Holy Spirit to convict your heart and show you the truth about yourself, about how you are a formalist or a hypocrite. (coughs) Pardon me. You will allow the Holy Spirit to do a work by faith in your heart. And as you allow him to do that work, your true character will be revealed. And the Lord will begin to build into you a new character. He will give you the free gift of being made righteous, of being justified. Past sins forgiven, But as a part of that impartation of the Holy Spirit and as a part of that receiving the gift of being made holy, no longer walking in any known rebellion or sin against the Lord, your heart will be humbled. And the greatest concern of your heart will become entering into Jesus fully and bringing others into Jesus by your testimony and your words and your actions. And yes, there will be many tears along the way. And you will recognize, as I have, how many times I have failed the tests administered to me by the Holy Spirit. Satan has desired to sift me many times. And I, like Peter, have denied my Lord by my actions and my attitude. And that causes me great sorrow today. But I also rejoice in the love my Lord has shown me. As he's called me out and set me once more on the narrow path. Formalist and hypocrisy told Christian not to worry about it since it had been the custom in their land for more than a thousand years. But ask Christian, will your custom stand up in the court of law? They replied, this custom of entering the way by taking a shortcut has been going on as long-standing practice for more than a thousand years and would be ruled as a legal practice by any impartial judge. And besides, they added, as long as we get into the way, what does it matter how we get in? If we're in, we're in. You came into the way through the narrow gate, and we came tumbling over the wall. And since we are both in, who is to say that your chosen path is better than ours? Christian answered them, I walk by the rule of my master. You walk by the rude workings of your own notions. You are condemned as thieves already by the Lord of the way. Therefore, I doubt you will be found as true men at the end of the journey. 
You came in by yourselves without his direction, and you will go out by yourselves without his mercy. To this they had little to say except to tell Christian to mind his own business. And then I saw that formalist in hypocrisy went along with Christian, saying only that as far as the laws and ordinances were concerned, they would obey them as conscientiously as Christian. Do you understand what Bunyan's saying? He's saying they're going to be good churchmen. They're going to serve on committees. They're going to be on the deacon board, or they might even be the preacher. But they have never died to themselves. And everything they're doing is for their own gain. They are... They are fulfilling what they understand to be the obligations to be a member of a church. But the church is filled with darkness. The church is led by a joking pastor who does not speak of sin or blood or repentance, but rather with strategies for success. They are led by a pastor who does not rebuke them, but fawns on them and honors them by applauding all that they do in the ordinances of the church. They're confident that they're saved, that they're on their way to heaven, but they are not. Hypocrisy and formalist added that they saw no difference between themselves and Christian except for the coat he wore which they speculated was given to Christian to hide his shame and his nakedness. Christian responded, you will not be saved by keeping laws or ordinances. You cannot be saved because you did not come in by the door. As for the coat that is on my back, it was given to me by the Lord of the place where I am going and is, as you say, a cover for my nakedness. I take it as a token of his kindness to me, for I had nothing but rags before. Besides, I take some comfort in the fact that when I came to the gate of the city, or when I come to the gate of the city, the Lord of that place will surely recognize me since it is his coat on my back, a coat that he gave me that day, the day he stripped me of my rags. I also have a mark on my forehead, which perhaps you have not noticed. One of my Lord's most intimate associates placed it on my forehead the day the burden fell from my shoulders. Also, I have been given a scroll to read as a comfort to me as I make my journey. I was also told to turn it in at the celestial gate as an assurance that I will be welcomed into the celestial city. I doubt you have any interest in all of these things since you did not come in at the gate. To this formalist and hypocrisy gave no reply. They just looked at each other and laughed. Then I saw that they all kept walking along the path, except that Christian, 
walked up ahead and had no more conversation with formalist and hypocrisy. He only talked with himself, sometimes sighing, sometimes encouraging himself, and often refreshing himself by reading from the scroll the one that the Shining Ones had given to him. I saw then that they all went on until they came to the foot of the Hill of Difficulty, at the bottom of which was a spring of fresh water. Here the men were faced with a choice of three paths. The path that led directly from the gate continued straight up the steep hill. Another path turned to the left and the third to the right of the hill. Christian went to the spring and drank until he was no longer thirsty. And then he began to go up the hill of difficulty, saying, The hill, though high, I desire to ascend. The difficulty will not me offend. For I, I perceive the way of life lies here. Be strong, my heart. Let neither faint nor fear. Better though difficult, the right way to go, than wrong, though easy, where the end is woe. Formalist and hypocrisy all came to the foot of the hill. But when they saw how steep and high it was, and that there were two similar paths to go, they chose the ways that looked easier. They supposed that the two ways would go around the hill, and meet up again with the straight way that Christian was taking. Now the name of one of those ways was danger, and the name of the other was destruction. So formalists took the way that is called danger, which led into a great wooded area, and hypocrisy went the way to destruction, which led him into a wide field full of dark mountains, where he stumbled, fell, and never got up again. I looked and saw Christian go up the hill where, where I noticed him. He was slowing his pace from running to walking and finally to scrambling up the path on his hands and knees because it was so very steep. Now I saw that about halfway up the hill there was a pleasant arbor built by the Lord of the hill for the refreshment of weary travelers. And when Christian reached this spot, he sat down to rest. He pulled out his scroll from under his coat, and he was comforted by what he read. That's John Bunyan's picture of what I'm describing for you today. A man who does not enter by the sheep gate is a thief and a robber. Jesus is that gate. Now I want to be clear. Jesus calls us to go the straight and narrow and up the hill of difficulty. It is simply one more test that is being given to Christian. 
right now many of us face that steep hill times have become very very difficult with rumors rumors of war and famine and pestilence we all face the reality that America is shut down that our economy has crashed that many small businesses will go bankrupt and disappear that many millions are earning no paycheck and where will their food come from I went to BJ's yesterday just to look and see and there I saw a large package of bounty you know the the sheets we use in the kitchen to wipe up things I was shocked the price was almost $35 for that pack the last time I purchased paper towels I paid for that same pack $12 and then the next time I paid $16 at Costco now that same pack is almost $35. Eggs, bread, meat, everything is going to begin to escalate in price, but your income is going to be reduced. We are facing a very dire, life-threatening situation. How are you going to face this? Will you face it with the joy of the Lord in your heart? Will you climb the hill of difficulty or will you try to find shortcuts? Will you stand by faith in the provision of Jesus Christ? And will you allow this test to awaken you to your true condition before a holy and righteous God? Will you give up your illusions of formalism and hypocrisy? Will you give up the illusion that you are saved even as you walk in disobedience and rebellion to Jesus. The single most important thing for you to face is how you stand right now before a holy and righteous God. And then, how are you serving that God? Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. That is, the narrow gate spoken of in Matthew in the Beatitudes. The suffering gate. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be will be saved, will be safe. He will come in and go out and find pasture. But you know what? He is not going by himself. Jesus will lead you to safe pasture. He will provide for you. 
I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Now he also speaks about hearing his voice. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Do you know how to hear the voice of God? Are you able to listen and hear and do as he tells you? I can't express today. I am unable to express today the seriousness of these carefully designed tests that are to reveal to us the true condition of our heart. To reveal to us what we think about. Every man will follow the love of his heart. Every woman will follow the love of her heart. If your love is for the world, you will go to the world. If your love is for Jesus, you will go to Jesus. You must decide how you're going to deal with this series of tests that you're faced with. You must decide what you are going to do with Jesus. I can tell you today that he is the one who searches hearts and minds And I can tell you today that he will repay each one of you according to your deeds, what you have done. Revelation 2, verse 25. Are you ready for Jesus to come? I believe we're in the final countdown. Now I can also tell you the great joy that fills my heart when I go through a test by God and simply lift my heart up in petition and praise and worship even sometimes through the tears. I serve a God who leads me out to safe pasture and then leads me back where I'm safe at night. The devil brings the darkness, but Jesus is the light. And then, as the light dawns, Jesus calls his sheep. They know his voice, and they follow. I'm greatly troubled by many of you that I've spoken with who have told me I don't know how to hear the voice of God. Someone this last week said to me, I don't know how to hear the voice of God. How do you hear the voice of God, Pastor? I want to answer that by reading a passage of Scripture in Revelation, the third chapter. I'm going to begin reading with verse 14. Most 
conservative biblical scholars would tell you that the church in Laodicea is a description of the last day church. These are the words of the Amen, that is Jesus, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. This time of God's judgment has come upon America and upon the world to take away our wealth, to cause us to no longer be able to say, I'm rich, to expose our nakedness, our pitiful, poor blindness. I read foolish pastors who say, this is not the end of the earth. This is not the beginning of the great tribulation. This is this is just something normal that's happening. They could not be further from the truth. They have not read carefully enough the opening of the seals that I've shared with you earlier, the seven seals. We're already well along in those seals. If we are not well along, then if they are much worse than what has happened already in the world, no one will even remain until the sixth and seventh seals are opened. We will all die. Then Jesus begins to give very specific counsel. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. If you go to 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, or Job 23.10, you will find out that gold is faith. Faith based on a rhema word from God. And I am speaking to you today the rhema words of God. I am reading them to you from the scriptures. They're very simple and very plain. He's saying the reason you cannot hear from God is you have not entrusted your life into his hands. You still are managing your own life. In other words, you call yourself a Christian, but you have never been crucified with Christ. That is the condition of a person who claims to be a Christian but cannot hear the voice of God. They have held themselves back from Jesus thinking that they must be in charge of their own life, that they must direct their own steps, that they cannot trust the eternal God of heaven. And Jesus comes saying, the very first step is that you must decide in the midst of the fire, that is, whatever hardship you're facing, COVID-19, a lack of food, loss of job, 
whatever it is that you face, you now have a test of God in your life to reveal to you whether or not you can hear from God. You must begin to go before him and humbly submit your life to him and say, Jesus, your promises are sure. I will trust you to change me. I will trust you to make me righteous. I will trust you to carry me through this awful time. I will not walk in fear. I will trust you. Even though it looks like everything is lost, I will trust you. That is gold. That is faith tried in the fire. And then you must buy white clothes to wear. It's clear in Revelation 19.8 and in many other places that the clothes that we are to buy are righteous acts. Things we do at the command of Jesus. As you come through and begin to walk in faith in the midst of the fire, he will begin to speak to you and say to you, do this and do that. And as you obey what he tells you to do, your shameful rebellion, your shameful ignorance of his way, your shameful shallowness and hardness of heart will all begin to be exposed. And as you repent of these things, and you do what God calls you to do by his Holy Spirit, you will begin to be dressed in white garments, pure and clean. And then he says, put the eye salve on your eyes so that you can see. That is, now ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyesight so you can see the reality of what it means to walk the narrow path with full trust and full confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is wonderful good news because it releases us from every bondage of sin it releases us from every demonic addiction, and all addiction is demonic. Whether it's drugs, food, sex, whatever the addiction is, it is a demonic power over your life. And the Holy Spirit will come and deliver you, breaking all the chains. Verse 19, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Be earnest and repent. Earnest means everything is laid aside. I am zealous. I am eager. I must get into the presence of Jesus and I must repent of what my eyes are beginning to see as I endure the rebukes and the discipline, 
the testing of God in my life. And as I experience this testing of God, I'm going to either turn in bitterness, like formalist and hypocrisy. I'm going to turn away to an easier path. I'm going to say, Pastor Ray, you are crazy. You are filled with a demon. That's what they said to Jesus. No, our shameful nakedness has to be covered. And we have to buy the gold. Why buy? Because it will cause suffering in your life to get the gold. Why? Because as you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, he will begin to give you direction that is against the stream of the day. No longer will it be row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. No, you're going to go upstream. Downstream takes you to hell. You're going to have to paddle upstream, and it's going to be work. It's not by works, but it is work. Because you're going to have to begin to come to consciousness as the Lord tests you as the Lord gives you these disciplines. One of the disciplines the Lord has given me is to daily read his word, to daily spend time in earnest prayer and supplication, to confess every known fault as it appears in my life, to confess it quickly and ask Jesus to please remove it and change my behavior to reflect the white clothes that I desire to be dressed in. And in the last part of Revelation, 19.8, Revelation 19.8, it tells us the white garments are the righteous actions of the saints. They don't do those by their own power. They do those by the indwelling power of the living God of heaven, by the Holy Spirit as they're brought into Jesus. Today are you wretched? pitiful and poor and blind and naked or do you not even know are you unconscious see we are going to face the judgment bar of God and everything will be revealed about our life and the times you have stubbornly and angrily cast off the Holy Spirit will all be revealed on that day all the times that you have rejected the discipline of God, when you have refused to give to the poor, when you've refused to take up your cross, when you have said, I'm righteous, even though I'm in my sin, I'm righteous. Oh, on that day, the falseness of that claim will be utterly revealed, and you will curse those who taught you that. But it will be too late, because... You've heard another message and you're now responsible for what you have heard. And you need to begin searching the scriptures earnestly, earnestly, devouring them, crying aloud to Jesus, submitting to his discipline and then obeying him as he opens the way before you. And then in the joy and the love and the abundant life that will flow into you, begin to love others and call them to come and walk with you in freedom 
and joy. It's not a hard thing to leave sin. Sin is bondage. It is depression. It is discouragement. It is ugly. Well, the light of Jesus is brilliant, filled with love and compassion and mercy. Well, we're about out of time today. Please, may I pray with you? Lord, I lift up my brother and my sister, and I ask that you would accomplish your will in their hearts. Mighty God, draw them to yourself. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. You can go online to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com, one word. Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon. Through Jesus.